Um, in about 2009, I read a book called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And uh, it's by this guy, Mark Batterson. He's a pastor in Washington, D.C. And um, so then I kind of started following Mark Batterson and what he does. And so his church, um, the, I don't know currently, but at the time, they did not own a church building. Instead, they owned a coffee shop because they thought the best way to intersect with the city. I'm taller. You want me to take the short one? Or? Okay. All right. Um, so instead of owning a church building, they own, owned, at the time anyways, a coffee shop because uh, they felt that was the best way to intersect with their city, their city being Washington, D.C. Um, anyways, I followed Mark Patterson. I followed um, National Community Church's name of the church. And eventually, um, via the Internet, I was introduced to Curtis Parks in, like, let's see, 2014 when I took... This, uh, this gig here, when I was blessed with this opportunity, you guys put out shortly after that the You Alone EP, um, and they put up a, we want to give away 200 copies, email us, and I'm like the little fangirl, so I'm like, I want a free copy. And so they- um, You were the one, I was, you were the one person. So I got a, a free copy of uh, You Alone. We have since done all but one of the songs on that record here in worship. Uh, we're gonna do one later, Curtis's. So anyways, that's like my exposure to National Community Church, and then a few weeks ago, um, I saw that he was leaving National Community Church, and I was like, what? And he's going to Nashville to start a new church called Bridges Nashville. And then I'm, I'm on his Facebook page, like a little fangirl, and I'm watching, and, and uh, I see that he's going to be at Kingdom Bound, and he says, if anybody wants to uh, have me into to church you know, the week before, the week after, let me know. We'll be up in that area. So I messaged him, and within an hour, he got back to me. He's like, yeah, man, let's do it. So here he sits, and I'm super pumped. Um, all, all that to say, I couldn't orchestrate all the things that have us sitting on this stage here, but it's cool how God works and how he brings paths and things. And I actually visited National Community Church 18 months ago, and you all probably heard me complain about it a bunch. My car got broken into as we left church. They stole my Welcome to D.C. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Peter, who's up playing electric guitar, he played at church that day, so that was pretty cool to see him again um, and get to meet him. So anyways, um, I have three questions, and they're on my phone, and i got to dig it out. So why don't you, I know question one, can you give us like the five-minute elevator on um, kind of who you are, how you ended up in the music industry, how you ended up as a worship pastor, all that fun stuff. Vinny is my best friend, seriously. Vinny is the man. We have this, uh, so as Quint said, we have a coffee house in uh, Washington, and this thing is crazy. Um, we have a coffee house in Washington, D.C. It's right there in the middle of Capitol Hill, and one of our big uh, fun phrases to say is that the Holy Spirit plus caffeine equals awesome. That's okay, right. so uh, I told Vinny, man, just coffee and water, that's, that's good to go. Um, a little bit of a snapshot of my life. I grew up a pastor's kid. Uh, at 11 years old, my dad knew he was going to plant a church in Roanoke, Virginia. And uh, so he said, you're going to be my worship leader. And at the time, I couldn't play an instrument. I guess he heard me singing some Disney songs around the house. And uh, so he said, you're going to be my worship leader. So I started taking piano lessons. And sure enough, at 14 years old, we moved, planted a church, and I started leading worship. And uh, man, I still say some prayers for those early congregations because it was bad. It, it was really rough. Um, but man, just I developed this love for music and this passion to see how people connected with music. And I was telling your pastor that uh, music has this amazing ability to cut to the heart without asking for permission. And you guys know this, right? When we're listening to a song, when you hear a song on the radio, you might just 
uh, for me, it's just funny. There's certain songs that will take you places, right? And anytime I hear the song, uh, Eric Clapton's Tears in Heaven, I always go back to my ninth grade Valentine's Day dance. <clears throat> it's weird that they were playing that song at a ninth grade Valentine's dance. But there's songs, and there's amazing power behind songs, and God gave them to us as a gift because he didn't make a mistake. He knew that music could cut to our hearts, and with music, we could connect to his heart a little easier. And so sometimes I believe you can only sing what you can't say. And there's a power behind the songs that we sing. It's not just music deep. It's spirit deep. Amen. And so it was awesome to be able to gather with you guys. And trust me, I could hear you guys singing loud, and that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. One thing I love about when we gather as the church and we worship is I think we mirror what happens in heaven nonstop when we worship. Because it says in Revelation chapter 4 that the angels are camped around the throne of God night and day saying, Holy, holy, holy yeah, yeah. is the Lord God Almighty. So we know there's going to be a lot of worship sung in heaven. Yeah. So we're just getting practice down here, okay? Right. Um, but like I said, I grew up a pastor's kid. And, you know, when I went to college, um, I started to kind of see, you know, when you go to college and you get out of daddy's house, you start to see if this is your own faith. God doesn't have any grandkids. He only has kids. And so I, I began to realize, like, man, I can do anything I want right now. Like, I can go and party or I can, you know, live for myself. And my freshman year was a year of discovery. It was just like, man, uh, but very quickly, when you're chasing after the things of the world, you very quickly find out that there's never satisfaction. And, and that can only be found when you find the truth. We know that it says in the book of John that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so after my freshman year, I had this moment. I was just telling some people yesterday about it in my car where I was just like, man, everything I'm chasing is just empty. So I decided in my car after my freshman year, God, just help me turn everything around. And I began to seek after his heart and leading worship in college ministries. And um, so after college, had another little, little battle. See, the enemy knows that, like, it's, it's easy for us to say one and done, but he knows how to pick at our hearts. Yeah. And I had an opportunity to go and try out for American Idol. And I did that after, after college and ended up making it onto the show um, back in 2005. You all thought he looked familiar, didn't you? I, I couldn't grow a beard back then. so. But this is the original judges. Unfortunately, I was on the season with Carrie Underwood, so I didn't stand a chance. Was a, but um, but it, was a, it was a blast. But that just started this kind of um, desire to be a rock star in my heart and so I moved down to Nashville signed a deal and we started touring around the nation and um, how many of you guys know uh, we love to say I want to follow Jesus but sometimes we ask Jesus to follow us and that was one of those moments um, where I just you know all the guys in the band were Christian guys but we were trying to build our own kingdom mm -hmm. and uh, so we toured around for four or five years and in 2008 I got a phone call from another TV show they said, hey, we've, we've seen some videos that you've done online. We'd love for you to come on the show. And normally I would have responded like, yes, this is it. You know, this is, this is our opportunity uh, to be a platform for Jesus, you know, like, but really just wanted to be famous, you know. And, um, but for the first time in a long time, I felt this tinge in my heart. And it was the Holy Spirit. And he was just saying, this isn't it. This isn't what I have for you. And we have a lot of voices speaking into our lives. Every day when you walk out the door, you're going to have so many voices speaking into your life. People telling you who you should be, who you should follow, what you should do. And I had that in my life too. In Nashville, a lot of musicians, a lot of producers and managers telling us this is what you should do. But for the first time in a long time on that phone call with the producers of this show, 
I let the Holy Spirit be the loudest voice. And I told the, the producers, I said, you're going to think I'm crazy, but there's this thing called the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and he's just telling me that this isn't the right path to take right now. And it was silent for about five seconds, which felt like an eternity. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you're crazy. <laughs> but he said, you know, we wish you the best of luck. And so that was a moment where I just had a, a course correction in my life. And I began to go after the things of God and just leading worship. And I allowed pastors to mentor me and, and just call out things that weren't of God in my life. And that led me to National Community Church. And uh, I've been there the last seven years as the worship pastor. And we, have, uh, we meet in movie theaters and music venues. And we have a coffee house and, uh, and just launched a dream center. Um, so we have eight campuses, and I just got to oversee eight different worship teams and worship pastors and get to play with guys like Sean, Ethan, and Peter, and uh, just see amazing people uh, connect with the presence of God. And that's my favorite thing about worship. I think worship is a place where God's presence and his people connect. Cool. And, uh, and that's why um, we just felt like, okay, God, what are you doing? What's the next step? And, and so I think we're going to talk a little bit later about Bridges Nashville, the church that we're calling to plant right now. Yeah. Um, before we do that, tell us a little bit about what it was like to live and work and do ministry in Washington, D.C., um, probably the most controversial place on the planet right now, um, where he talked about how my car got broken into and I got robbed, so it's not a happy place. Um, but not for me anyways. I ain't going back. I got one less reason to go back because he's not there anymore. So. Um, but anyways, how, how did NCC approach reaching that city yeah. for Christ? And how do you see parallels, as, as unique as D.C. is, how do you see parallels in every city? I mean, our, you know? Yeah. Well, as you can imagine, when you watch CNN, D.C. is the most peaceful place on the planet. Yeah. Um, no, it's a, it's a lot of hostility, and especially right now, and I think that's actually what kind of unites D.C. with almost every city in the U.S., is people are just angry. You know, people are on either side of the aisle. People are angry. Um, and the world needs Jesus more now than ever. I really believe that with my heart. And this is the greatest opportunity for people that follow Jesus to live after Jesus. You know, when you, when you let Jesus be your agenda, every other agenda falls to the wayside. Mm -hmm. You know, because people can see truth. You know, it's, it's just so funny to me. When you look at Jesus' ministry, um, you know, really three years of just impactful walking with the disciples and pouring everything that he had out into those 12 guys, and, uh, and 11 of them ended up taking it on. But, um, you know, there was no microphones. There were no stages. Jesus would just walk, and he would speak, and crowds would gather. Yeah. Thousands of people would come because they heard about this, this guy, the Messiah, the truth. So they wanted to go and hear truth. And I just think we have an opportunity as people of Jesus to be people of truth and to carry that. And when we walk with authentic worship, when we live out lives that don't just stay here for a couple hours on a Sunday, but they go out those doors and they live to impact their communities for Jesus, I think that's what the world needs. And, and so in D.C., um, you know, you have... I actually moved from, like I said, from Nashville to Washington, D.C., so it was like going from a city of dreamers to a city of intellects. So I was way out of my league, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can write a song, but I can't write legislation, okay? And, and so I went from a city of dreamers to a city of intellects, and I quickly realized that, um, you know, Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And for certain pockets, it's easier to do one than the other. 
you know, in Nashville, it's easy to love the Lord with all your heart. Like, we're dreamers. You know, we can give him all of our hopes and dreams, um, in theory. <laughs> but when you go to D.C., it was more like, okay, man, I saw National Community Church. This is a, a, a group of people that, when you talk about loving the Lord with all your mind, I mean, just amazing conversations and, 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 and deep theologies that I, I found root. I mean, you read Mark's books. I mean, it's just... He, he teaches with such a way that just grabs you and you want to know more about God. And I think that's how we worship God with all of our mind is we just want to know him more and we want to know more about him. Um, but also this side about worshiping with all your strength. Missions is literally the way that we walk out and we impact the world. You know, local missions, missions abroad. You can live on mission every day wherever you are. And that's one of the things that we said all the time. Live on mission every day wherever you go. Your workplaces, your family relationships, your homes, be on mission to live as Jesus calls us to live. And so we did a lot of stuff for our city, as I know you guys, I mean, it was amazing to see the announcement slide and just all the incredible things that Conduit is doing to reach Jamestown. It's incredible. And that's what he asked us to do, right? He says, look, here's the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. He didn't say go and make converts. Go and make disciples. And what is a disciple? A disciple is somebody who walks in the disciplines of Jesus. That's how that disciple and discipline is from the same root word. And so that's kind of what we try to do in D.C. is we do small groups. We actually have small groups that meet um, in, in places of politics. And, uh, you know, if there's anybody to reach, it's people that are making big decisions in the epicenter of the free world, right? And so we just know that, man, maybe a song that we sing on Sunday is still resonating in the hearts of those that are going in to write legislation on Monday. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, maybe a word from a message is going to be beating on the hearts of people that walk in to government and politics and military, every branch that you can imagine in D.C. on Monday. So there's no throwaway weekends. There's no throwaway weekends. That's good. Every single weekend matters. And so we just began to live life with intentional discipleship. And all of the guys on our worship team, you know, it's not like we show up on Sunday and it's like plug in and play. No, we're doing life together. Yeah. You know, we're, we have what we call team night. We all get together. We share a meal. And we talk about life. We have rehearsals that usually open up with a devotional. You know, we want to find out what's going on. We're always praying for each other. We have a Facebook page. It's literally called Worship Through Hardship. And people can just post their prayer requests on there. And we all join as the body of Christ behind that. And then in the context of just reaching people outside of the worship team, I mean, it's just, you know, we have really unique groups. I mean, second Saturday serve. Every, Saturday, every second Saturday of the month, we go out and do service projects all across the city in northern Virginia. And they could be anything from working with homeless shelters to, um, you know, planting trees in parts of, you know, rundown neighborhoods. Um, and, of course, the Dream Center is going to be, I think, one of the most exciting extensions of who we are as a church. It's going to be a place where kids can come for after-school programs. Uh, it's in a very, um, you know, it's in a part of D.C. where you want to change some statistics, you know. Yeah, yeah. Some statistics of, of uh, fatherless homes and a lot of gang activity and a lot of people not making it out. And we just want to change those statistics. Yeah. And so we've placed ourselves in a part of the city um, where light can shine pretty bright. So that's just some of the things that we're doing in Washington, D.C. Some of the things that I think, excuse me, join us with, with cities all across the world. Um, it's very interesting. Right now, um, so many people are moving to urban areas. 
Um, you know, about 10 years ago, a lot of people were moving into suburbs and, and more rural areas. But there's actually a statistic I just read um, that by the year 2050, 69% of the world's population will live in urban centers. That's a lot of people and not a lot of space. And when that happens and more and more people come together, needs start to rise to the surface. And I think as the church, we can find out what those are, whether it's people feeling displaced, whether it's a lot of um, you know, people dealing with homelessness, um, you know, whether it's youth running away from home. We see that a lot in Nashville and in DC. Um, so as the church, are we closing our doors or are we going out for walls of the church? and being Jesus to our communities. And that's what we have to ask ourselves every day. How do we live on mission? Yeah. Boom. That's some good stuff right there. Um, yeah, for sure. Hopefully you're seeing pretty direct parallels when he says live on mission and our I Am Love shirts say living on mission. Okay, so we are kindred hearts, kindred spirits. I mean, we, um, you know, if I could for a second, we those of us in this room, we are the hands and feet of Jesus out to our city, and it's no different in NCC. And they work to recruit their people to do Second Saturday serves and everything as well. So it is the same, um, and I think obviously you just heard that. The last question I will ask, and then I'm going to exit the stage even though I don't want this to be over, so this is it's pretty awesome. Um, and I will say this, afterwards, when you came in, you might have seen some books and CDs and different things. Curtis and the band will be out there after we do some more worship. Um, and if you want to pick up his book, Soundcheck, or whatever, it's all out there. So um, that is that. But the last question I will ask, uh, you're now living in Nashville. You're laying the groundwork to start this new church, Bridges, Bridges Nashville. Not the Bridge Nashville, Bridges Nashville. Um, and so when I saw that he was leaving Nashville Community Church, I made the joke to several people that if I... If I were going to leave working with Mark Batterson, and I don't know him, I've met him one time, I would need the Holy Spirit, Gabriel, Michael, Jesus Christ, and everybody all at once to show up and be like, bro, you got to go. So I'm assuming that's what happened. But, um, all of those. Yeah, all of, all of them. But um, we've been looking at you know, the letters to the Thessalonians these last three weeks of this series called The City. And so um, maybe could you share your heart for Nashville, how you ended up back there? And you kind of already did this, but how the Big C Church is the same everywhere. Okay, listen to this. The Big C Church, the, big, the Church of Christ. Our mission is outreach, our banner is Christ, and our passion is for the kingdom to expand. That's awesome. So with that, I will leave this over to you and just, like, give us some of that, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thanks a ton. Well, I think when you are a part of a great ministry— you know, it's amazing. I'm looking across this room and just seeing so many people. When we worship, um, that's really what unites the Big C Church. Isn't it cool to think that churches across the globe at this very hour are joining the song that we sing in worship? You know, it says in Philippians 2.10 that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I think when you realize the name of Jesus is truly above every other name. You know, like the name of Curtis... You know, when I pass on, hopefully many years from now, uh, it's going to be forgotten, you know. And, and before I was born, nobody was speaking my name. But the name of Jesus, that name, above every name, will be remembered long after I'm gone. It was spoken from the very beginning. You remember it says in Genesis, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He just has the name above every other name. So we realize it's not so much about the name on our, on our church door as it is above the name that we preach inside, amen? And that's what, that's what unites us all. 
And, and whether I'm, uh, you know, reaching people for Jesus in D.C. or in Nashville, as Quint said, I mean, it's, it's all that same heart to see the kingdom of God advance. And I think there's too, too, many, too many of us that, you know, we, we, allow, we allow our fears to keep us back, and we just want to hold the fort. You know, we don't want to advance the kingdom. You know, we get comfortable. And I was at National Community Church for seven years, and, and I, I loved every single aspect of it, except working with th these three guys right here. <clears throat> but it was amazing to be a part of a ministry that was advancing the kingdom. And I could have been there the next 20 years and been the happiest guy on the planet, 100%, honest to God. Um, but I just started to begin to feel a stirring, a stirring about, I'm, and I'm just not wired to just stay put. You know, I'm wired for danger. I don't know how else to say it. It's just, it's funny. I, I'm like James Bond, man. No, I'm just, but I was just wired for something new, and I just began to seek the heart of God and ask the Holy Spirit, okay, I, I love Nashville. I've always loved Nashville. You know, when we left, we literally left out of obedience. You know, we just knew God was calling us to Washington for a season, uh, but I, we always knew that we would be back someday, and I thought, honestly, I thought it would be to sign another record deal or some kind of thing with music. And as Quint said, you know, I, I just wrote a book last year. It came out. It's called Soundcheck. It's all about pursuing authenticity in our worship. And that word authenticity, it's kind of become a buzzword in today's culture. And it simply means anything that's real and genuine. And if there's anything that the world re needs right now, it's real and genuine. It's just too much of the alternative out there. And every time you turn on the, the TV, it seems like there's another sports star that's been found to be taking, you know, performance-enhancing drugs or, or some political scandal comes to light. And, and sadly, even in our world, in the church, every now and then a, a pastor or a worship leader or somebody in ministry makes the headlines for not the best news, you know? So there's so much of the alternative out there. God is asking for the true worshipers to stand up. It says in John 4, 23, that those who worship the Father will do so in spirit and in truth for those are the worshipers that the Father seeks. I want to be one of those people, a worshiper that the Father seeks. And so, as I said, we could, we could have stayed in D.C. I could have stayed in that lane for the next 20 years and been happy, but I just began to feel this stirring, and I prayed. And as I was traveling out last fall, you know, kind of spreading the message of the book, and I had opportunities to just speak to different worship teams and churches all across the nation. And on these long road trips and these flights, I just began to pray, okay, God, why Nashville? Because it began to go from a whisper shout. I said, okay, Holy Spirit, why Nashville? He said, I'm not taking you down there to sign a deal. I'm taking you down there to start a church. And I said, no, you got the wrong guy. You know, I'm the tattooed, weird-haired worship leader. Like, I can stay in that lane. But I just began to pray. And how many of you guys know, like, sometimes God will give you a vision that scares you. And if it doesn't scare you, you may not rely on him as much as you need to. Because there's some things that we can try to do in our own strength. But when you have a vision that scares you, there's only one person that can get the glory for that. And so God just began to say, I'm, I'm taking you out of your comfort zone. And there comes a time where calling is greater than comfort. And that's where I got to last fall. So I just began to talk to our leadership at NCC, and I said, this is crazy, but I feel like God's calling us back to Music City. He's calling us to plant a church. And all of our leadership was behind it. They said, you've got to do this. And we just begin to have this heart to reach creatives and musicians and artists. 
in the heart of Music City. How many of you guys know there's thousands of cities across the U.S., but there's only one that's called Music City, and it's Nashville, Tennessee. And I just know that as you guys have heard my heart for music and to see people connect with God's presence through that, I just wanted to plant a church in the middle of Music City that just said, look, we're going to be a Jesus church. And we want to see people connect with God's presence. And so we just began to pray. And I love that you guys are in Thessalonians right now because I've been living in these letters in, in the New Testament that Paul writes to these early church plants. And there's two different verses that have jumped off the pages of Scripture and into my heart. Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 5.19. So these are two different letters that Paul writes to two different churches, one in Ephesus and one in Colossae, and they almost say the same thing. He says, teach and admonish one another with wisdom through the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts. And what he's telling these early churches is, teach one another through the songs. And I just, I was like, man, that's crazy. Teach one another through the songs. As a worship leader, if I'm just getting up here and singing songs because it has a cool melody or it has a fun hook, and I'm not using the opportunity to teach through the music, you know, be thou my vision. We opened up with it today. Powerful truths in there. You know, be thou my vision. Be thou my wisdom. Riches I heed not. All of that is prayer. It's just prayer put to melody. And so as we begin to teach one another through these psalms, we, we draw closer to the heart of God. And so I just ask God, okay, what do you want me to do with this? And I feel like God is speaking. I want you to literally create a liturgy in music to reach people that speak music. And so we're going to teach people through the word of God and music, and we're just going to combine scripture and worship. And I believe it's going to work in Nashville because that's a culture that speaks music. And I think that's what we have to do as the church is what is the, what is the language of Jamestown? And how do we speak that? You know, I could go to Russia, but if I don't speak any Russian, I'm probably not going to reach a lot of people. I know Spanish. And so whenever I go down to Guatemala, I, I sing in Spanish, I speak in Spanish, and it helps me connect with people. So what is the language of your city that you can speak? You know, what are some of those cultural pieces uh, of this part of New York that we can reach people on their ground? And you guys are doing that, going out into the city. Any church that stays within the four walls is not a Jesus church. Because Jesus went from place to place to place. He went where people were. And he often hung out at these places called wells. And that's where you had to go in that, in that era to get water, to get life. You had to go to the well. So what are the wells of Jamestown, New York? What are the wells of Nashville, Tennessee? Music venues. Those are the cultural hubs. And so we're looking at planning a church next fall in a music venue that meets downtown in Nashville. And uh, we have our hearts set on this place called the Ryman. Now, the, the Ryman Auditorium, you know what that is. It's, it's an epic music venue. In fact, in 1890, this is an amazing story. This guy, Tom Ryman, he was a business owner, and he owned a fleet of boats on the Cumberland River. And, and there was gambling and drinking and prostitution happening on these boats. And a revival comes to Nashville in 1890, preaching out against gambling, drinking, and prostitution. So Tom gets together some thugs, and he goes down to break up the revival, except he ends up hearing the message. And he gives his heart to Christ. He comes back, and he builds an auditorium, and he says, I never want to let people have to sit in the hot sun to hear the gospel of Christ. 
So he builds this amazing auditorium, and years later at his eulogy, they name it the Ryman Auditorium. And over the last 70 to 80 years, it's just changed management hands, and it's lost its original intent to be a church. And I feel like the Holy Spirit was like, you're going back to take it to that original intent. So that's our heart, is to launch a church in the Ryman Auditorium, a place that's known in Nashville for music, and I believe it's going to be known one day for worship. And that's just our heart, and that's where we're going. And I want to invite the band back up because this whole piece about worship, you know, I said it before, worship is where God's presence and his people connect. And that's, that's the mission statement of Bridges Nashville. It's a place where God's people and his presence connect. And I just know this. God is on the move. You know, God, God never says, okay, we're done. No, until that day comes, right? where heaven meets earth and the new Jerusalem comes, right? That we read about in Revelation. Until that day comes, the church is called to advance. And what I love about being here is that now Jamestown and Nashville are connected. You guys have a, a family in Nashville now, and I know I've got a family here in Jamestown. You guys have brought us in. That is the body of Christ. The word community it's, a, it's an awesome word, but when you break it up, it just means common unity. So what is it that we have in common that unifies us? It's Jesus. It's the love of his people, the love of his church. And so we want to just do a few more songs of worship this morning.